I found it. Pandora's book. All of its power. All of its fables are mine. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Pandora Fables Podcast, where we aim to provide you with new and interesting stories. Welcome to the first episode of Pandora's Fables. I'm your host, also the creator. Adrian Weston. If we haven't met before, I'm sure we'll become friends. Since this is our debut episode, let's talk a little about what's in store for you with Pandora's Fables. I created Pandora's Fables with the hope of bringing people together through stories. All types, but don't be surprised if horror shows up the most. Although this is just the early stages, I have many plans for the podcast. From a fully cast ongoing series to having you send in your own stories for a chance to have them turn into beautiful audio and to appear on the podcast yourself. However, currently, we'll be posting two episodes a month. If you listen to the podcast, I hope you'll also take an interest in the other projects that will be heading your way under the Pandora Fables name. Now, without any further delays, let me tell you a fable. Some things you can't change. Not even with all of the money in the world. Not even with time. Time doesn't wait around. It doesn't hold our hands until we're ready to move on. No. Time just keeps on going, with or without us. Deep emotions shows our darkest desires. Something my father used to tell me. I didn't understand it back then. Part of me still don't. Between all of his infinite wisdom, that was the one that would come up the most. Deep emotions shows our darkest desires. You know, at the time, I thought he was just saying his usual weird stuff. This was the same man that used to tell me, always keep your eyes on your surroundings, or you won't notice the bite till the venom sinks in. I wish I listened. I didn't see the bite or the venom. It's been years since I saw her for the first and last time. Which, to be honest, isn't the complete truth. Because she always came back to me in my dreams. She'll come with that smile, that tight black dress, and that hair like fire. She's a cruel one. Because she doesn't come every night like a proper nightmare. No. She comes when I forget. When I finally think. When I finally believe she's gone. When I forget that one night. 
that bar, those deep emotions. She comes in like a phantom, walking through the walls I built to keep her out. She never chases me like a proper monster or causes me harm. Not a single brick is knocked from the wall. She simply comes like a calm wind. And when she has her fill of me, when she filled her stomach of my lust, of my desires, she leaves. It was a long, long time before I could sit down with a bottle of whiskey. Even longer before I could pour myself a glass. Even after all these years, I still have to fight shaky hands just to pour myself a drink. I still couldn't bring myself to drink it. The smell of it used to remind me that there was still some light within this dark world. It was my cure, my fix. We all have our fixes, that small thing to help us through the day. I take pride in the fact that mine only affected me. Sure, I might say something out of line once in a while, but nothing more. But that wasn't the case anymore. What used to be the sweetest smell to me now was replaced. What used to bring me joy causes me to vomit. There was one day I tried. Worked hard to bring myself to drink it. My hands were shaking so bad, a drop of it touched my skin. I spent the next 10 minutes screaming bloody murder, trying to reassure myself I wasn't burning. <sighs> deep emotions. <laughs> a deep fear that keeps me away from my one saving fucking grace. I was told it was all in my head. That I should try to write it all out. It would help me piece it all together. So I sat there one night, staring at a blank sheet of paper with a pen, ready to write out everything that went impossibly wrong that night. Who was in the bar? What they were drinking? What I was drinking? What she looked like? What she smelled like? It always ended the same. Fire. Then I turned towards the bottle. And in the darkness of my one-bedroom apartment, I could swear I felt eyes watching me, judging me, testing me, wondering if I had the balls to do it, if I was going to take a sip. I never do. The memory of that fire at the last stop is an open wound in my mind. There was a woman's face that has stayed with me for years like a nasty scar. In the seconds before she died, her eyes were wide and red. Her lips were in a grimace that seemed to go from ear to ear. Within it was a darkness that threatens to swallow me whole. Even though she was completely on fire with a hole in her chest, she stood there and stared right at me. Nobody was killed in the fire. We all escaped. And if you believe the newspaper, nobody died. But if you were to ask anyone in that bar that night, one person did die. And 
we're not even sure she was alive when she came in. The door to the bar swung wide and we were rushed outside. And as we stood in the aftermath of the chaos, we were left with questions. Though we knew each other for years, some months or less, we stood there, strangers. Lovers, friends, brothers, and sisters all became strangers that night. Even when we wanted to ask questions, we didn't know how, didn't know the words. It was ruled as an accidental fire, yet if you believe the newspapers, one by one, everyone that was in that fire, everyone that lived through that fire, in some way, shape, or form, has died. Each year, one of them has died. Maybe she came for them, or the questions of that night became so heavy in their minds that they decided to end it. But we always had the answers, you see. Deep emotions show our true desires. In my mind, I can recall that night perfectly. I don't need to see a damn psychologist to understand what happened. It was a night like any other night. The woes of the world became a little too much to bear, so I retreated to my safe place, the last stop. It was a small rundown bar that didn't get that many people. It had a weird stale air to it that was only masked with the thick smoke from David's cigar smoke. David was the owner, the bartender, the waiter. He was everything. I only ever saw one other person working there, a young little girl who couldn't be past 18. Uh, Amy, Alex, uh, Anna, something like that. She was in the corner that night with some other kid who I figured was her boyfriend, or they liked each other. They were in that awkward phase where they were too shy and weird to touch each other, so they mostly sat across from each other, not daring to look each other in the eye. I was sitting at the bar. I always took the same seat. It became somewhat of a habit over the years. Right in the middle of a glass of whiskey, neat. It was a rather dark day for me that night, so the bottle was left close by. I'm at peace right there. David never asked me any questions, and here, no one judges me. They might stare, study me, and once their eyes look me up and down and see the mark on my finger where a ring used to be, they understand why I'm here. I can sit and drink away the memories of ten years in her arms. Normally, halfway through the bottle, the bittersweet memories are nothing more than a blur, and I just become another old rusty gear that gets just enough oil to keep working. People always tell me that it's time to move on, time to forget, that the trick was to get out there and go find love again. No, I'm content with how it is. Sure, it's easy for them to say, I'm just wasting my life away. But I dare you to show me the man or woman who wouldn't break after watching their wife drive away in the arms of your brother after you gave her the best 10 years of your goddamn life. 
The fucking worst thing is, I watched them drive away in my car, wanting her to just come back. Knowing that even if she came now, I would just take her right back. Bitch didn't even slow down. The heart is an ancient and uncontrollable thing. My father always told me to keep my eyes on my surroundings. And I didn't. I didn't see the signs. So now I have a heart that doesn't work anymore. Because I've tried. I've sought to forget. And I replaced pain and hate. I replaced it all. I replaced her with the bottle. The whiskey puts life in my heart. It reminds me that I can still feel. This bar became the closest thing that I had to a home. Her leaving for the first time, I didn't keep my eyes on my surroundings. The first time I didn't see the warning signs. This night was the second. One minute the whole place was so cold I had to keep my jacket on. And even then, I was still shivering. The next, it felt like the sun was inside of the bar. We could still hear the AC blowing, yet the room went from a comfortable low 60s to a painful high 90s. Looking back now, I realize that's when we were pulled from what we could understand to twilight. I don't know how to describe it, but the mood darkens. The country music playing in the background seemed to fade away, although it was still there. It was like a quiet whimper. I could hear my heartbeat, the vibration of it causing my whole body to shake. With each beat, I could hear it as if it was trying to speak to me, wants to warn me to run, yet it was choking on the words only managing to bang effortlessly on my chest in an attempt to speak in a language I couldn't understand. There was a rather kind-looking older lady sitting at the end of the bar. She was a regular, like me. I believe her name was Jenny. She always came here looking for a kind man to go home with, a streetwalker, who, rather than actively walking the street, only sat and waited for her johns to come to her. She found that it was easier to get them to look past her age after a few shots. She tried a few times with me my first few nights here. I never did, though. It was flattering. She was always nice. Told me how, in her younger days, she was an actress in Hollywood. That she lived the high life until her second marriage. That three kids later, and a deadbeat husband who got his kicks from beating her, now she's here turning tricks to get by. Truth be told, her story made me think my life wasn't that bad, even though she was always nice to me. She was putting on lipstick, and I found myself wanting nothing more than to walk over to her and smash her head into the bar until either the wood or her skull broke. I couldn't start imagining what it would be like to mount her as she gasps for air and to dig my fingers into her eyes and watch as she drowns in her own blood. Jenny glanced over at me, like I called out to her. I looked down at my half-filled glass, bewailed by my crazy thoughts, but not before I saw it. She gave me a blank, 
hollow stare, and I could see in her eyes. I could see my death. She was thinking, no. Feeling the same emotions, the same desires I was. The echo of a chair falling filled the air, and as my head turned to see Amy or whatever her name was, she was on top of the boy. They were going at it like animals, pure, unfiltered, primal lust. She would bite his chest and a wet pink drool would leave her mouth. It took me a second before I could tell that wasn't pink or drool. She bites into, ripping off skin and blood. It began to pour from the wound. That didn't stop them, and she started to run her hand through it, rubbing the blood all over her face. For a brief second, she stared at me. She had this look in her eyes. I knew from the second that I saw her eyes, she was thinking evil thoughts. And Lord help me, so was I. My heartbeat grew faster, and I knew whatever this was, it had us. Our emotions, our desires. No, not desire. The real us. The us we hid away because society had told us that showing the real us was evil. Deep emotions show our dark desires. The stale air became stuffy. No, it became heavy. The air itself took on real weight. And now, it pinned us all to this place. The music that was nothing more than a safe whimper was almost entirely gone now. Like a muffled scream in a pillow. I could hear some people shouting, laughing, and others began to cry. The glass shattered behind the bar, and I knew, I knew deep in my gut, I shouldn't look. That I should just leave right now but the curiosity ate away at me until I looked David was murmuring to himself breaking glass on the bar and behind it placing his hands on the glass until a mixer of blood and alcohol covered the bar David began to whisper to himself strange apologies of past sins he committed how he wishes he could take it back and how he never meant to hit her that hard, never meant to lie to her on so many nights. Right away, I got this image in my head of how he might look with a bottle in his throat. He leaned back as the blood poured out of the top of the bottle, as the life in his eyes, just like his blood, slowly drained away. Blinking my eyes, I tried to shake the vision out of my brain, my fingers gripping the cup tighter, but the bottomless pit of my desires already sunk in. The real me was here, the me that the drink and painkillers frequently kept asleep. David made a strange sound, and I made a horrible decision. I glanced up from my cup and saw him again. This time, glass was everywhere. Pieces were poking out of his face. I even saw a rather large piece inches away from his eye. Blood was emitting from the cuts dropping on his shirt. 
but that's not what drawn my eyes in. No. In his right hand was a lighter. David had a smile on his face, like a child left in a candy store allowed to take as much candy as his grubby little hands could carry. He wasn't crying, although tears were rolling down his cheek. He was not crying. He was laughing this high gutter howl that sent a chill down my spine. That was when she appeared. I got startled when she placed her hand on my shoulder. The stuffy air was now replaced with a rather pleasant scent of strawberries. I suppose I might have looked like a fool, staring around the bar with glee at the chaos that has overtaken us. It goes without saying, I was a little embarrassed, and that quickly changed once I saw her face. Her face. Now that I think of it, there wasn't anything truly remarkable about her. It was a reflex when the fear and confusion that was originally painted on my face was replaced with an automatic smile, though it didn't last long. It was something about her. Maybe her eyes or the way her lip curled into this monstrous smile. Maybe it was because, unlike the nasty thoughts we all had, unlike the primal lust and desires we all shared that night, within her eyes, painted on her face, was an empty void that wanted nothing more than to swallow us whole. She wore a black dress that, in all honesty, wasn't as tight as I remembered. The bottom of it was a little gray as if it was dragging on the ground for so long the color began to fade. In her eyes, I saw nothing. No, in her eyes, I saw everything. I saw myself with her, in my one-bedroom apartment, allowing our primal lust to take us. I saw us forcing our hands into each other's stomachs and feasting on the soft, wet inners. I saw a thousand lives, a thousand me's, and a thousand deaths. I tried to speak, but felt the words pull back down my throat, only to allow a soft whimper to pass through my lips. I think that in some way, she knew what was going to happen. Or maybe she caused it to happen. She saw our emotions, our desires, and she allowed us to experience the real us. To understand the real us. To this day, I remember the woman very well. Which is odd, because I only saw her at a glance. A plain lady in a loose-fitting dress with black hair. Black hair. Her mouth was open, trying to tell me something. But flames leaped out, consuming the bar before she could get the words out. Like a fly to the light, the flames wrapped around her. I remember her hair seemed to change colors in front of me, as if the flames were washing out hair dye. Most people don't realize how hot flames really are. Of course, from time to time we might burn ourselves on the stove, but... Until you are face to face with real heat, the type of heat you can't escape or turn off, until you can feel it take the breath away from you and burn your lungs, I don't think you can ever truly know just how hot a flame can be. When the flames began to consume the bar, most of the people inside began to scream. Some even got up and raced to the door, but 
not all of them. Some of them started to laugh. Some even began to throw their drinks into the flames to help feed it for God's sake. For my part, I tried to speak, the words still stopping in my throat. My eyes never left the woman's face. Yet, even as she stood there, covered in flames, she didn't move. She didn't scream or shout out, didn't race for some type of salvation. In fact, her eyes never left mine. She stared at me, her mouth still moved, as if she wanted to say something, wanted to speak. But nothing came out. I was left dumbfounded, left in a trance at how calm she was. The flames reached my hands now. They were still gripping the cup, and I was so lost in her eyes that I didn't even move my hands. Her eyes never left mine. Even as they were filling with blood, her mouth hanging low in it, in it. I could have sworn I saw forever, a kind of death that would hold you in its embrace forever and would only let you go for a brief second. In those seconds, the illusion of escape would fill your mind, only for it to retake hold of you and crush those dreams. That's when the echo of the shotgun rang in my ear. The hole appeared in her stomach almost instantly. She didn't move, didn't flinch. I knew without looking, David held the gun, staring at her with the same hatred, the same fear I was. The flames began to burn at her flesh quicker now. It wasn't the smell that caused my stomach to turn. It was the scars forming on her face. It was the burns that made her mouth even wider. The flames that made her lips spread from ear to ear. Blood gushed out of her stomach that seemed like it melted the ground. A strange black ooze began to leak from her eyes, lips moving through a strange, lustful smile. I don't know how, but her words clung to me. In seconds, the music, the AC, the screams, everything rushed back to life. But right before it did, her words out of everything that night, dug into my skull. Deep. 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 Is what she said to me. It was then I noticed she wasn't the young woman I initially thought she was. She was Jenny, a tired woman down on her luck, who once was the person of envy in Hollywood that had thousands of boys wishing to be able to kiss her feet. Now she hoped to just make it through the night. Maybe she was Amy, a college student that the world lied to. She believed, like so many, that just wanting something was enough for the world to hand it to her. But life was anything but kind. And now she finds herself working at a dead-end bar, dating another reject that the world will soon forget. Or could she have been David? A man who followed his dream, opened a bar a lifetime ago with his life believing this was the dream he always wanted. But the bar didn't make the money he thought, didn't solve his problems. In fact, it added to it. And now, he's left between a failing business, a dying marriage, and the knowledge that the man he promised himself, he'll never be. An abuser, a son of a bitch who lays his hands on his wife. His father is the very man he became. No, 
No, she was me. A sack of shit that knew from the start she'll never love him. And how could she? What could I have offered her? It became apparent that I was the best choice out of a horrible town, and now I stick to drinking because it numbs the pain. It makes it easier to ignore the signs that deep down, deep in my soul, I hate my life. I hate the people in my life. The goddamn people who think that their remarks on my life and how I'm living is what I need. That deep down, my real emotions, my primal lust wants nothing more than to drink my last bitter fucking shot and end it all. She blinked once, and at that moment, I was free from her trace, even if it was for a second. I didn't realize this whole time I was holding my breath. I took in a large amount of air in that second, like someone taking a breath after almost drowning. And as she smiled down at me, I wondered what she was, who she was. I wondered how she was all of us, all of our desires rolled into one. Since I am being honest, I'll tell you something else. I was glad. Maybe for the first time in 10 years, I was fucking glad when David pulled that trigger again. In that second that I could only take a breath, he only took a shot. Her face quickly disappeared as the buckshot entered it. Glad. Because when her face was gone, when her face was gone, I felt the heavy weight. Our desires, our real selves, go with her. I asked a cop later that night, after we pulled out of the bar, did they find her body? He told me there was no body, no blood, and no shotgun in the bar. I took to sitting in the dark in my little one-bedroom apartment. I stopped locking my door these days. I didn't see the point anymore. I always pour myself two shots, never one. One for both of us, both of me. I didn't see why I would lock her out. In some ways, she's me. She was all of us that night, wearing the faces we hide. Sometimes I think about what my father told me. Deep emotions shows our dark desires. He was right. I believe we all have that primal lust inside. We learn to ignore, to silence it, sometimes. When we do something we never would normally leaks out. The real us. The music from the radio is quieter now, like a soft whimper, and my heart is beating its silent message. I didn't realize it at first that I was the last one. I wonder how my wife is doing, if she's happy now wherever she was, if they stayed together or maybe she left him for someone else. I wonder if she bothered to even slow down for him when she was driving away. The air has that sweet strawberry scent to it now. And without realizing it, I'm pouring myself a second glass of whiskey. When I wrote this, I read a story named Foul Weather by Daniel H. Wilson. They gave me inspiration for this piece. Emotion. Desire. It's sad, really, that so many people hide them behind a mask. I wonder, 
What's your deep desire? I'd like to thank every last one of you who took the time to listen to our little story. You have no idea how much it means to me. If you have time, please take the time to rate or comment because it will help us grow our little family here. The story was written by me, Adrian Weston, performed by Jacob Parrish. All music was created specially for the podcast by Isaac Taylor. Thank you all for listening, and I can't wait to see you all for our next episode.